Hello. Thank you for downloading this sermon by Pastor Casey Helenchek. Casey is a missionary pastor with Village Missions. Currently, Casey and his wife Hope and their six children serve the Bangor Community Church and the surrounding area of Bangor, California. Village Missions exist to glorify Jesus Christ by developing spiritually vital community churches in rural North America. We now invite you to open your Bibles and journey with us. All right, good morning. Please grab your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Daniel. Uh, we finished up our series through First and Second Timothy uh, that we were calling Life in the Local Church. We finished that right before Easter. Today we are starting a new series through the book of Daniel that I'm calling God of All Nations. Uh, as you all know, my philosophy in preaching is to go through a book of the Bible, line by line, verse by verse, and uh, look at both the immediate context and the bigger picture. I do try to alternate between Old and New Testament books, and, and I do that partly so that I don't just end up going through Paul's letters and the gospel every once in a while. Um, doing so, doing this, it, it challenges me, and, and I hope this will challenge you too. Uh, some of these books that we, I end up going through are not ones that uh, I typically spend, I would be spending a lot of time in otherwise. Uh, and so this is uh, one of those things that for me is, is a good thing. Uh, and again, I hope it challenges you as well. Now, Daniel is unique. It is part historical. Uh, that is where we're going to be spending the first long chunk of our series. Uh, and it then is part prophecy. And that is why in, in the Christian Bible it is placed in the, in the section of the prophets. Uh, because of the prophecies, because of the lens that we tend to view those prophecies in, Daniel can be a, a divisive book if we let it be. But we're not going to let it be. Uh, suffice it to say that we won't all agree on what the prophecies say and, and what they mean, uh, especially in today's world and with today's current events. Uh, but we're not going to let that separate us. That is something that we just look at and we know that uh, our eyes are on Jesus. We love him and that keeps us united even in disagreements. Uh, Daniel is also unique in that it is written in two different languages. Daniel 1, 1 through chapter 2, verse 3 is written in Hebrew, as are chapters 8 through 12. Uh, the middle, middle section there, uh, chapter 2, verse 4 through chapter 7, is written in Aramaic. Now, Hebrew is the language of the Jews, the language of Israel. Aramaic was the official and the common language of the Babylonian Empire. Now, that leads us to, to some historical context regarding the book of Daniel. Uh, now, this book was written, despite recent scholarly suggestions to the contrary, uh, in the neighborhood of 530 B.C. So it's 500 years before the birth of Christ. It starts, however, back in 605 B.C. So overall, the book of Daniel spans about 70 years. Uh, to understand what happens in 605 B.C., we need to go back even further in Israel's history. Uh, under the kingship of David... Uh, and then his son Solomon, 400 years prior, Israel was more united and, and, and more powerful than ever. So 400 years prior, uh, Israel was more united, more powerful than ever. Then shortly after the death of Solomon, Israel splits into two countries. The kingdom of Israel in the north, comprising of 10 of the 12 tribes, 
And then there was the kingdom of Judah in the south, comprising of Benjamin and Judah. Uh, now, both kingdoms fell into apostasy, idolatry, and, and general unrepentant sin. Uh, and, and divided, they were both weaker militarily, and because of the sin, they were subject to the wrath and judgment of God. Now, the northern kingdom of Israel fell first. They fell to the Assyrian army, uh, which was made famous because of Nineveh as its capital. Uh, they fell roughly around 730 B.C. Judah lasted another 130 plus years, though they too fell. Uh, this time to the Babylonians with various levels of conquership uh, happening between 605 B.C. and 587 B.C. Uh, one of the, <laughs> as we're going through this, I'm recording my sermon. Please forgive my son in the background wearing his cowboy hat around going, yeehaw. It's one of the, uh, one of the benefits of recording at, one of the benefits of recording at home right now, uh, during this, uh, situation. So, uh, back to the text. Uh, Daniel was presumed to be around 15 years old in 605 BC when he and his friends, which we'll get to in a moment, were captured in Jerusalem and hauled off to Babylon. So Daniel grew up speaking Hebrew. And as he lived for, for 70 plus years in Babylon, serving the courts and, and serving the king, he learned Aramaic pretty fluently. Now there's no consensus across the board uh, agreement as to why Daniel was written in both languages. But the thing that I've seen and I've read that makes the most sense to me and seems to have a lot of traction amongst those who, who study these sorts of things, is that the parts written in Hebrew were specifically being written to the Jews. This would be the introduction and what happened to Daniel and his friends as they were taken out of Jerusalem and, and so forth. Uh, this would also include the prophecies in the, the last half of the book. Uh, obviously, we would uh, imagine that prophecies regarding the coming Jewish Messiah and the coming kingdom of heaven uh, would be much more ap applicable and interesting to the Jews than to the Babylonians. Uh, the middle sections, uh, the, the history of the exiles in Babylon, the, uh, the dealings of their dealings with various kings and the, the history during that time would be much more interesting to those who spoke Aramaic. Uh, one thing that does not hold merit uh, in, in this is the view that because there were two different languages in Daniel, uh, that it was written by two or more different people or at two or more different times. There's been a lot of skepticism that Daniel was written uh, during the time of the Maccabees, uh, and or uh, by multiple authors, uh, but there's no credibility to these theories. Uh, yes, this is an overgeneralization, but a lot of these theories tend to come up because of people having a hard time believing that the prophecies that Daniel made, which were coming true at the end of the Babylonian kingdom or during the time of Maccabees, could have been made so far in advance. Uh, in, in other words, they don't give credit to God knowing these things ahead of time as they're, they're looking at these prophecies. Uh, and, and not all of them fall into that category, but, but many of them do. Uh, Jesus himself credits Daniel as a specific historical person who wrote this book. Uh, and he did so in Matthew chapter 24, verse 15. And it just means, what this does mean is that there were multiple audiences in view when Daniel wrote it down. 
All right, so 605 BC rolls around. Uh, Babylon has grown big and powerful. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar was either uh, co-regent with his father or he was all prepped, second in command, and ready to take over him uh, for him when he would soon pass. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar goes in and defeats uh, Jerusalem and takes many Jews captive and brings them with him back to Babylon. Uh, this is where the book of Daniel starts. This is where I want us to start reading this morning uh, in our, our introduction to the book. Uh, Daniel chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. Uh, I'll be reading out of the English Standard Version, and please follow along at home with your preferred translation as well. So Daniel 1, 1 through 8. Daniel opens his book writing, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These were carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, uh, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, and after that they were to enter into the king's service. Among those who were chosen... Uh, were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. May God bless the reading of his holy and perfect word. Now, one of the things, uh, one of the first things we see in this book uh, is that Daniel and his friends will essentially, in modern language, go into government service. Uh, they were nobles or, or royalty back in Judah, uh, so they had the background, they had the training, they had the, um, you know, to those especially at the time who believed in it, they had the lineage uh, for this kind of work in Babylon. Uh, so they're, they're going to be working for the king of Babylon, for, for ne King Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, Christians today, we, we tend to have one of two views on, on situations like this. Uh, first, we, we have the view that we need to avoid stuff like this, uh, politics and, and culture, and, and that they're so very toxic that we need to avoid ourselves from it as fully and as completely as possible so that they can see that we are separated, that we are set apart. Second, the other option uh, they will say that we need to be a part of the culture and, and bring ourselves into the culture and politics because it is so toxic. And the more we conform to that culture, uh, the more difference we will make. Uh, the intent there being trying to be salt and light, trying to make a difference, uh, trying to change it from the inside out. <laughs> Yet Jesus prays to the Father for us that we are to be in the world, but not of it. 
Both of these positions miss a part of what we are called to be and what we are called to do in this world. The truth is that there is a right and a wrong way for Christians to participate in politics. There is a right and a wrong way for Christians to fight for rights, to fight for religious liberties, and to participate in civil disobedience. The problem is, when we decide on which ways are right or wrong, based on our moral beliefs, based on our national identities, or based on what we expect to be the practical outcomes of the actions. In other words, the ends justify the means. But the truth is that the only way for us to decide what ways or methods are right and wrong is based only on Scripture, based solely on what Jesus, the Word of God, says. We are going to see throughout this book uh, that Daniel will show us some of the right ways to do this very thing. There's a, there is also a right and a wrong way to read and to approach the scriptures as well. Uh, we know we can make the scripture say whatever we want. So if we have an idea in our head, this is what the outcome I want to have, and this is what I want things to look like, I can go to the scriptures and I can find something to, to testify to that. Instead, we remember that we are to approach the scriptures just like the apostles and the early church leaders did, and that is to let the New Testament interpret the Old Testament. We don't insert things into the text, and we rarely can lift the Old Testament up full block and drop it in on our current context and our situations. As Ron Salee says in our contenders classes, the new is in the old concealed, the old is in the new revealed. So we cannot try to affirm our beliefs by opening the Bibles and reading passages. We need to let the text speak for ourselves, speak for itself. We need to let what we read form our beliefs, not let our beliefs form what we read. And because of how we read this book especially, because of what we have been taught from our parents, from pastors and Bible study leaders, from books we've read, from friends around us, and and yes, even from the society and the culture around us, whether we recognize it or, or not, because of how we read the book, we have differences of opinion and what certain parts mean. And we can think that our opinion is not opinion, but think that it's fact, and that it's the only biblical thing that it can mean. Again, Daniel can be divisive if we let it, but we are not going to let it especially when we get to the prophecy section of Daniel. Daniel does speak to the future and to the first and second coming of Jesus Christ. That is unavoidable in a book of Daniel, and I don't want to avoid it. But that's not going to be a main focus of this series. The main focus that we are going to see in Daniel is that, as we see in all the Old Testament books, that all these Old Testament scriptures will be about and point directly to Jesus Christ the looked-for and promised Messiah, the Savior, God the Son. And what does Daniel teach us about Jesus? How does Daniel point to the coming Jesus? What does Daniel teach us about the kingdom of God, and especially how it relates to the kingdoms of men? Those are the main points that we will be looking at. Part of that, but secondary to that, How can we apply Daniel to today and what we are going through in these times? How do we spend our days today living in and serving a kingdom that is not ours? 
How do we live in and serve a kingdom that is openly and actively hostile to the kingdom that we do belong to? And how do we do so while continuing to serve the kingdom of God here and now and continue to do so first and foremost? How do we balance those things, both of which we are called to? Daniel was taken into exile. He was brought out of his homeland and out of his home kingdom. His home was destroyed, and he was brought forcibly to serve the kingdom of Babylon, and he did so faithfully and admirably. If we are in Christ, if we belong to him, and if we can rightly call ourselves Christians, then we are not citizens of this world. Peter calls us sojourners and exiles. We are travelers here, temporarily, temporarily living in this kingdom, in this world. We are to love and to care for and to serve this world while we are here. We are to do so in the name of Jesus, by the word of Jesus. Paul writes in, in Romans 13, verses 1 and 2, he says, Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. Daniel shows us that we can do exactly what Paul writes here, and we can do so while still maintaining our loyal, loyalty to Christ and his commands. We can do this while fulfilling our purposes of serving and worshiping and working for the one in whom we are true citizens of. Christ is our king and we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. That balance is not easy. That, that loyalty is not easy. To be, to be loyal to one but under the loyalty to another. Daniel's home, again, has been destroyed. His, his friends and he are conscripted into government service and their names are changed from ones that honored the one true God to ones that honored the Babylonian gods. They were taught the, the language and the literature of the Chaldeans. Daniel and his friends were even, they were given new names, supposed by many to assert ownership and possession over them. To attempt to change their identity from those of God's children to those who belong to the gods of Babylon. And yet, if our identity is in Christ, nothing can change that. Our identity used to be that of rebel and sinner and damned. But in Christ, our identity is changed by the one whom we belong to. Our identity is changed so that we are now Christ's beloved. We are now children of God. We are now saints, citizens of heaven. Babylon tried to change their identity to make them forget their true identity. But their foundation in God kept them faithful. The world is going to try to change your identity. It will try to make you forget your identity. Try to get you to put any other identity above child of God, above saint. They will say that we're all children of God. Or they will say that, that you are still a sinner. They will tell you that your other identities are more important than your identity in Christ. They will tell you that you are American first, Christian second. 
you know, that was a, a hard one for me to come to grips with personally. To set aside being American first and Christian second to being a Christian first and an American second. That was a tough one for me personally. The world will try to tell us that our political identity is first and foremost. That only Republicans can be Christians or that the Democrats are, are loving the marginalized and the, the lesser like Jesus did. Or, or worse yet, that when we go against our Christian confidence and we vote for someone just because they happen to be our party's nominee. Remember something. Voting for the lesser of two evils is still voting for evil. Daniel and his friends were immersed in the foreign culture that they would sh- and they would show us how to stay true and faithful to God in spite of that. And that's one thing for, for us to remember. Yes, the, the culture and society around us may be toxic. It may be actively against what God wants, what he says, and what he stands for. It may actively try to corrupt us and bring us over to their side. But there is some redeeming value in some of the culture around us. We are not called to build bunkers and to, to separate from everything except this building and to, to eschew everything around us. We are not called to separate ourselves so far as we don't end up having a witness. We are called to be salt and light. We are called to bring the gospel to the ends of the world, making disciples and teaching them to follow God's commands, showing them that we are sinners that we are not able to be good enough, that there is only one God, and that He has perfect wrath and perfect grace, that we are saved by His grace through our faith in the one and only Jesus Christ, God become man to save us sinners. We have a job and a duty while we are here in this earth, and it is to serve and worship our King. Now the way that that Daniel and his friends were able to be a part of this culture to study their teachings and still stay faithful to God is that they had a strong foundation in their faith. Studying all of God's word is crucial to having that strong foundation. Knowing that God's word is inspired and without error is crucial to our studying of it. The more we know of it, the more we can discern. The more we can discern, the more we can uh, discern what is truth and what is not. The more we can discern, the more we can fix our eyes straight upon Jesus, who is our foundation and our stronghold and our Sabbath. Let us go ahead and pray. Uh, Father, we thank you that you have made us uh, citizens of your, your world, your kingdom, uh, your heaven. Thank you that uh, you have given us Christ that we cannot obtain this by ourselves, that we cannot be good enough or do enough, that Jesus, it is only because of you and your sacrifice and your blood and your forgiveness and your righteousness that we can claim to be kingdoms, citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus, help us. Open our eyes as we study this book. Help us to see what the points are. Help us to discuss the lesser points and help us to set our differences aside and continue to love each other 
in unity as fellow children of Christ. Thank you, Lord, for all these things. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Bangor Community Church. You can find us at facebook.com forward slash B-A-N-G-O-R Community Church C-A, all one word. If you would like to connect with Pastor Casey, please hop on over to CaseyHolenchuk.com. That's C-A-S-E-Y-H-O-L-E-N-C-I-K.com. Thank you and God bless. Thank you again for listening and joining us on our journey through God's Word. If you've listened this far and believe in our ministry or us as a family, please consider partnering with us. We would be honored to know that you are praying with and for us. If you feel compelled to give through financial support, information on how and where to give can be found at kcholanchik.com slash giving. Thank you and God bless.